<laughs> a return to normalcy. I like a return to normalcy. I do not like tumultuous weeks. Lots of events going on. I don't like my schedule to be interrupted. I like a normal schedule. I do. It's comforting. I'm at my best when I'm on my normal schedule. In the last three or four weeks, I've been off my normal schedule, and I didn't feel good. I wasn't inconvenienced going off my normal schedule. I was out doing fun things. Vivian had her fifth birthday party. Yay! So seeing her at her fifth birthday party was well worth the inconvenience of me not having my normal schedule. Last week, went to the FSTA conference, my first FSTA conference. Didn't know what to expect. Had a great time. Got to meet a lot of fantasy analysts in person for the first time. Well worth the trip. Easy trip. Took the train into New York. One night in a hotel. In and out. Met a ton of people. Made a lot of connections. Home run conference. I've been to a lot of conferences in my life. Back when I worked in corporate America, conferences for me were a chore, but this was the first time I was at a conference on behalf of Roto Underworld, and it was a pleasure. I was in the lobby with J.J. Zacharyson from Number Fire. We were talking, and in walked Jordan Matthews. He came up the escalator, and it was like everything went into slow motion. All around him, everything was fuzzy, but there was Jordan Matthews in the center of my view, sparkles just flaring out from his being. He walked off the escalator in slow motion, and I turned to JJ and I said, that's, that's Jordan Matthews. It's J-Matt. Looks like a slot receiver. <laughs> no, he did not look like a slot receiver. But I was just staring at him. JJ was staring at him. We weren't saying anything to each other. I had no words. I was just standing there in awe, frozen. I was trying to think of something to say throughout the whole conference. No matter who I was talking to, I could come up with some funny quip. Something sarcastic, interesting trivia, whatever it is. Staring at Jordan Matthews, I had nothing. I turned to JJ and I said, yeah, good for him. <laughs> JJ turned to me, he's like, what? What does that mean? What does that mean, good for him? And I realized I had no words. I had nothing to contribute. Looking at him, I just was happy. Good for him. Good for him. Look at him. He's doing well. He looks good. Everyone wants to talk to him. He looks so comfortable in his own skin. Good for him. Great guy. Never met him. Have no idea what he's like. Great guy. Just good for him. He's doing well. Same thing happened to me when I was in the presence of Doug Baldwin at ESPN. Doug Baldwin was going through a car wash at ESPN, was on every show, NFL Insiders, Sports Center, And like Jordan Matthews, I was 10 feet from Doug Baldwin and I had nothing to say. I forgot every stat I ever knew about Doug Baldwin. Forgot he went to Stanford. Forgot everything. People I was with, I had nothing to say about Doug Baldwin. All I could say was, look at him. Just look at him. He looks great. He's doing well. Dress sharp. Look sharp. Acting sharp. He's clearly on it. He's ready to go. Well rested. Comfortable. Smooth. Good for him. Double digit touchdown season. Fantasy hero. Good for you, Doug Baldwin. It's just nice to know that people are out there in the world succeeding, making millions of dollars, making the rest of us happy, entertaining us. When someone is a successful entertainer and they are a source of happiness for so many people, fantasy gamers, sports fans, you look at them and they just have that sparkle and you just feel good and you don't need to be sports analyst guy. You don't need to break anything down. You don't need a hot take. That was the beauty of it. Those moments required no hot takes. 
When you're sitting here alone behind a microphone, you feel obliged to fill the void with hot takes. But when Doug Baldwin or Jordan Matthews is standing in your presence, there is no hot takery necessary. Just bask in the glow of the elite slot receivers. Oh, Doug, I did it. I just put Jordan Matthews in the slot receiver bucket. Slap my hand. Stop it. Should not be doing that. Not a slot receiver. Doug Baldwin, I will admit, slot receiver. And the NFL is changing. We should have noticed the NFL was changing when Randall Cobb posted a WR1 season in 2014 with double-digit touchdowns and top five red zone targets in the NFL. 5'10", Randall Cobb was top five in the NFL in red zone targets. We should have known then, then in the Super Bowl, on the goal line, instead of handing the ball off to Marshawn Lynch, the Seattle Seahawks decided to throw a slant pass to Ricardo Lockett because it was the rational decision to make. Maybe not to Ricardo Lockett, throw it to Doug Baldwin. Not sure what happened there, but slant pass on the one-yard line is a rational play call. I believe that more NFL teams are realizing that the quick hitters in the red zone are the most successful plays, that the back corner fades are low percentage, and this is enhancing the value of the slot receiver. Slot receivers are scoring more touchdowns in today's NFL. Julian Edelman was on pace for double-digit touchdowns last season. Doug Baldwin, double-digit touchdowns last season. The season before, Randall Cobb, as we mentioned. So now more than ever, labeling someone a slot receiver is not a pejorative. And expecting slot receivers, touchdown totals, and red zone targets to regress, quote-unquote, may be misguided because we may be in a new reality. And there's no reason to think that those red zone targets will regress back to a previous reality that has become obsolete. Also at the FSTA conference, I ran into Matthew Barry. I did that stalking thing where I saw him, his back was turned, and I pretended like I was on my phone, like I was doing other things, but always was looking at him out of the corner of my eye. He turned around to walk toward me, and then I bumped into him, literally bumped into him, totally clumsy. I started talking to him, stuttering, stammering. Oh, hi, I'm Matt Kelly, a playerprofiler.com. Have you ever heard of it? It's fine if you haven't heard of it. I was talking fast. Oh, advanced metrics on your phone. Uh, do you have a phone? No. Oh, never mind. Um, here's my business card. Grab the business cards out of my wallet. They fall on the ground. Matthew Barry and I are on the ground trying to pick up the business cards. They're stuck together somehow. I don't know how business cards get stuck together. They were stuck together. We were peeling them apart. The paper was ripping. I was trying to find an unripped, unstuck-together business card. The one I found didn't have my contact information on it. It was a disaster. And he walked away, and I was just laughing. I said this to my wife. In my previous life in corporate America, if I fumbled away an interaction with a potential client at Matthew Barry's level, I would have been devastated. It would have haunted me. I would have been thinking about it the entire conference. What I could have done, what I should have done. But it wasn't like that. The moment he walked away, I didn't feel any regret about the encounter. I just thought, ah, that was funny. Maybe he'll remember me as that clumsy guy with the business cards. Who knows? Who cares? It doesn't matter. If I had the most polished presentation or I was a fumbling idiot, he wouldn't have remembered it anyway. He's not going to take the business card out of his pocket and look up playerprofiler.com. It doesn't matter. You can just sit back 
and remember the encounter and laugh to myself because it was funny. I'm now at a point in my life where I am just able to laugh at the things that happen. I know that certain things are predestined to occur and others are not. I know that I am putting out maximum effort and I will let the universe return back to me what I deserve. It was like LeBron going into game seven. He said, I'm going to give it my all and I'm going to be satisfied with the result no matter what because I know that I will have given it everything I had. And when it comes to playerprofiler.com and Roto Underworld, I'm giving it all I've got. And in the moment when you're giving it all you got, if you happen to dribble it off your foot, you just have to shrug your shoulders and move on to the next play. Because if you continue to dwell on it, it will affect your performance on the next play and the next play and the next play. And that used to happen to me and something clicked at some point in my life and I stopped second guessing myself and I stopped obsessing about mistakes I'd made in the past. I don't know when that happened. There is just a certain confidence, internal reassurance that you have after you've had a number of reps, whether it's a number of successful conference calls at work or a number of successful podcasts you've recorded or you've written a number of fantasy articles, whatever it is. For some reason, once you reach a certain threshold, a number of reps, I think Malcolm Gladwell says expertise is achieved at the 10,000 hour mark. A guitar player, a writer, once they've spent 10,000 hours on their craft, that's the arbitrary threshold to be considered a master of the craft. Takes a long time, though. 10,000 hours is a long time. And if you're not good at something, what ends up happening is you never get to that 10,000-hour threshold because you get discouraged because you're not very good at it and you move on to something else. And hopefully the goal is eventually you stumble into whatever activity it is that you enjoy, that you're good at, and then your enjoyment and the fact that you're successful at it creates this positive feedback loop and you end up logging 10,000 hours and before you know it, you're an expert. You've mastered a craft. And I've spent my whole career building software, building websites. And so when it comes to playerprofiler.com, I feel a sense of confidence, a comfort in my abilities and in the product of my work that no botched encounter would lead me to second guess that. And that allows me to simply take a step outside myself, watch good and bad encounters happen, and fist pump when they go well and shrug it off when they don't. It's just a cool place to be. If you're in that place now, you know what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you're not in that place yet in your career, that's why you keep grinding. You keep grinding because eventually you get there. And when you get there, it's these weeks which are return to normalcy weeks when you wake up on your normal schedule and you have just a normal day. These are the days that feel the best because you're doing that thing that you enjoy and you do well. And there's a real sense of satisfaction that comes from that. But if I had to second guess myself at the FSTA conference in my interaction with Matthew Barry, I would have just gone up to him and said, hey, Matt, got a sleeper for you. Robert Turbin, boom, walk away. That's what I should have done. Robert Turbin? Yeah, Robert Turbin. The Robert Turbin. Robert Turbin's still in the league? Yes, Robert Turbin is the backup running back for Frank Gore. Frank Gore, the running back who has over 3,000 career touches. 500 more than Adrian Peterson. Frank Gore is one of those ticking timers that is about to go off. 
I mean, it is very close to over. Would anyone be surprised if Frank Gore was injured this year and retired at the end of the season? I mean, Ahmad Bradshaw was the starting running back for the Colts prior to Frank Gore, and he just simply vanished from the league. (laughs) Suffered one too many lower body injuries, and after the last one, wasn't heard from again. That's how these careers typically end very quietly and Frank Gore has quietly been incredibly inefficient in the last two seasons negative 19.7 production premium on playerprofiler.com or situation agnostic efficiency metric on any given down and distance Frank Gore vastly underperformed the other running backs in the league in 2014 again negative 19.7 he followed that up in 2015 with a negative 16.6 production premium. Only last year, instead of posting a 4.2 yards per carry like he did in 2014, last year, his inefficiency was illuminated by a widely used efficiency metric yards per carry. His 3.7 yards per carry in 2015 was 63rd in the league. And a 4.2 yards per touch. 4.2 yards per touch is extraordinarily bad. Why was his yards per carry so low? Because his juke rate, evaded tackles per touch, 23.1%, 55th in the league. It just goes to show how fragile the running back position is in the NFL right now that when you look at Frank Gore's profile page on playerprofiler.com, you see 68 evaded tackles. Frank Gore was in the top 10 in evaded tackles last season, yet his juke rate was outside the top 50. Why is that? Because there were so few running backs last season that were able to log over 200 carries. Frank Gore's 260 carries was top five in the league. Top five. His rushing yards, despite the fact that it was under 1,967, was still top 10. We didn't even have 10 running backs last season that made it to the 1,000-yard threshold. That's how abysmal the running back position has been. I want the running back position to experience a renaissance in the next few years, and I hope it does. But what we've seen lately is discouraging for those of us that enjoy running back performances and running back fantasy production. So two straight years of league bottom efficiency from Frank Gore, now turning 33 years old, because of recency bias, we view Frank Gore as incredibly durable. And he is incredibly durable, specifically because he has a 32.087th percentile BMI. That's why he's durable. But he's still a running back, and running backs miss approximately 15% of their games due to injury. Frank Gore is more likely than not to miss one or more games this season with injury. The Colts may also realize halfway through the season that Frank Gore's on-field performance is not at a level that is startable in the NFL. It's one thing to get the bare minimum what's blocked. It's another thing when you start getting less than the bare minimum. I think by game four or five, once we get into October, the Colts may very well have to reassess Frank Gore and his role in the offense because you want all of your players to contribute in ways that help you win games. And as we've seen the last two years, Frank Gore has done nothing for the Colts to help them win games. He's been below replacement. Robert Turbin, on the other hand, looks like an above replacement running back. He has the size, 5'10", 222, and he's fast, sneaky fast for a big man. He runs a 4'5 flat, which is a 108.3, 86th percentile speed score, and he has burst, 122.2 burst score, 66th percentile. 
what? And of course he's strong. He has the biggest biceps of any running back in the league, and he does bench 225, 28 times, 95th percentile. Big, strong, fast, bursty. That's what Robert Turbin is. And at Utah State, posted a 35% college dominator. They ran the offense through Robert Turbin at Utah State. Not only was he a workhorse at the college level, he posted a 6.1 college yards per reception, well above average efficiency, and he was installed as the starting back at Utah State at a very young age. He broke out at 18.8, so he's always been a phenomenal player. It's just at the NFL level, he's been behind either Marshawn Lynch or Darren McFadden. Now he's behind Frank Gore, and that's a great place to be. You're behind a running back who's been highly inefficient for two straight seasons, has over 3,000 career touches on his odometer, and is now 33 years old. That's the running back I want to be behind on the depth chart. So when you come into the league, you're behind Marshawn Lynch, and that's unlucky. Now he's behind Frank Gore, and that's fortunate. The thing I like about Robert Turbin is he's a sneaky good receiver. When you think of Robert Turbin, you don't think of a guy who's a great receiver. He doesn't look like a great receiver because he's a big back. He looks the part of a big, bruising running back, and he is that, but he's also nifty in the passing game. It's true. At Utah State, he had a 30-catch season his junior year. 30 receptions, 418 receiving yards, 13.9 yards per reception, and five receiving touchdowns. Let that sink in. And then even in very limited opportunities last season with Dallas, still grabbed seven catches. So he was used at least in the passing game when called upon. Going back through time, Robert Turbin has been racking up receptions. In Seattle the year before, 2014, he had 16 receptions despite a mere 25% snap share. So if we do the extrapolations at the NFL level, if he's getting the majority of the snaps, he's going to post over 50 receptions. That's just who Robert Turbin is. Robert Turbin is a sneaky good receiver. And we know he's a phenomenal between-the-tackles grinder. That's Robert Turbin. If you ask anyone around the league, give me one of the best between-the-tackles grinders. Robert Turbin is one of those running backs that comes to mind. If you have to get a yard, Robert Turbin is your guy. But he actually has a all-purpose, all-terrain bell cow profile. He has the complete back skill set. He is the under-the-radar all-purpose back in the NFL, and he is behind one of the most precariously positioned running backs in the league in Frank Gore on one of the NFL's most prolific offenses. The day I realized this was an epiphany. In fact, I was going to talk about Robert Turbin on the show a week ago, and it's the first time in my career doing fantasy football podcasting that I pulled a topic off the show sheet because I didn't want my league mates to know about Robert Turbin until I had picked him up in every single dynasty league that I'm in, in which he was available on the waiver wire. Now that I have consolidated all the Robert Turbin I can get my hands on, now is the time I am willing to talk about him on air. I've never done that. 
Ever since I started podcasting, the moment I have an epiphany about a player, I talk about him on air with this one exception because the epiphany was just so powerful. He's so under the radar and he could be so good as the primary back for the Indianapolis Colts. And one of the fantasy platforms I picked up Robert Turbin on is Reality Sports Online. I love Reality Sports Online because owners get to build and manage their fantasy team like a real NFL general manager. Reality Sports Online was created by former NFL front office personnel, features a revolutionary free agent auction room which mimics NFL free agency, enabling fantasy owners to negotiate and sign the NFL's top talent to single or multi-year contracts. The platform can host 32 teams, has cool, sophisticated features like rookie drafts, multi-team trades, franchise tags, injured reserve, salary cap. So test your general manager skills today for free at realitysportsonline.com. And if you like what you see, use the promo code UNDERWORLD to receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. Another epiphany I had was this idea that you can draft Corey Coleman in the sixth round in redraft leagues. I can't get Corey Coleman in my dynasty leagues. I don't draft high enough. I don't have a top three pick. Corey Coleman is now going in the top three almost every time in dynasty rookie drafts. So the idea that I could get my hands on Corey Coleman is a pipe dream. But in redraft, you don't need to reach for Corey Coleman. I can't believe we're in a place now where fantasy gamers have soured so much on rookie players because so many rookie players underwhelmed in 2015. Fantasy owners have soured on them to such an extent that the first receiver taken by a franchise that has no wide receivers of consequence on the roster, Corey Coleman, to the Browns, you can get that player in the sixth round? That's befuddling. How does that happen? He's going too late. And even if you don't think Corey Coleman is a particularly talented wide receiver, I do. Corey Coleman posted a 44.2% 87th percentile college dominator at Baylor. 18.4 college yards per reception. Broke out at age 20. There's no red flags on his profile. None. He has a profile devoid of red flags. The only aspect of his profile that is below average is his weight. He's below 200 pounds. You'd like him to be bigger. You wish Corey Coleman was 6'2", 220. In an ideal world, sure. Do you want to call his size a red flag? Go ahead. But what did we talk about earlier in the show? The NFL is becoming more and more slot receiver friendly. Slot receivers are now the NFL's target hogs more than ever. And a lot of these slot receivers from Doug Baldwin to Julian Edelman are under six foot tall and under 200 pounds. And it just so happens that Corey Coleman is one of the greatest athletes to come into the NFL. Running a 4-4-2-40, a 133.4 burst score. He didn't run the agility drills, but if you go back to his Nike camp, three-cone drill and shuttle, he would have had an upper percentile agility score if he ran those drills as well. His vertical jump is so high that even at 5'11", with 30 and a quarter inch arms, his catch radius is still 1026, 92nd percentile on playerprofiler.com. He is a more athletic version of Odell Beckham Jr. And yet, even though the more athletic version of Odell Beckham Jr. is now the entrenched number one wide receiver on the Cleveland Browns depth chart, shoulder shrug, sixth round, we got a buzzard message. Why do you like Corey Coleman so much? 
you didn't like Kelvin Benjamin when he was the number one wide receiver on the Carolina Panthers depth chart. This buzzard message, by the way, is brought to you by Apex Fantasy Leagues, an exciting place to play seasonal fantasy football for money. With a skill-based format and industry-leading payouts, Apex ensures that the best fantasy players win big money. Apex hosts 12-team PPR leagues that provide a variety of draft options. They do live drafts, email drafts, auction drafts, and Apex also has dynasty leagues. And even if you're worried that your league won't fill, Apex will pump up the prize pool to make sure that leagues do fill. So they're doing a lot of interesting, cool things at Apex, and I suggest you check it out. Because not only does Apex offer high-stakes payouts, if you truly trust your fantasy football skills, Apex is also the place to go to mitigate randomness. Because the platform features blind bidding, so fair free agent acquisitions, and two matchups per week versus single head-to-head matchups. So if you build a great team, you are going to make money on the Apex platform. And you won't have to worry about some arbitrary strength of schedule nuking your chances in 2016. So go to apexfantasyleagues.com now and sign up. And yes, I was wrong about Kelvin Benjamin. I don't know how many different platforms I have to say this. In 2014, I was wrong about Kelvin Benjamin. I did not appreciate that Kelvin Benjamin would experience such an incredible target share. I misprojected Kelvin Benjamin's target share in 2014 because he was the entrenched number one wide receiver on that depth chart. And I was worried about Jericho Cotchery? What? I've learned a lot in the last two years. One of the lessons I've learned is don't ever be afraid of Jericho Cotchery. And number two, the number one wide receiver is going to get targets. Just pencil it in. Kelvin Benjamin posted a 26.9% target share in 2014. That was 13th in the league. Intrinsically, I don't believe in Kelvin Benjamin. I don't believe he's a good receiver. If I were running an NFL franchise, I would not acquire Kelvin Benjamin. There are many other receivers I think would be more efficient on a per-target basis than Kelvin Benjamin, and I would have no desire to acquire him in real life. Same is true with Jarvis Landry. And both Jarvis Landry and Kelvin Benjamin posted 6.9 yards per target in 2014. And it didn't matter in terms of fantasy. Because in fantasy, Kelvin Benjamin posted 14.1 fantasy points per game. That was top 20 in the league because of the target share. He underperformed his target share. So he was a WR2 in fantasy and you could have drafted him in the 6th and 7th rounds in 2014. And here we go again with Corey Coleman. It's the Kelvin Benjamin corollary. If you are the entrenched number one receiver on a depth chart, it doesn't matter who your quarterback is, and it doesn't matter that you're a rookie. Corey Coleman will command a 20-plus target share in 2016. And because I believe that Corey Coleman intrinsically is a fantastic receiver, unlike Kelvin Benjamin, I believe Corey Coleman will be significantly more efficient with his targets than Benjamin. And that makes Corey Coleman the perfect target in the sixth round.